Hello and welcome to the SEO SAS podcast. You are with myself, Sarah McDowell. SEO specialist at LikeMind Media and with me I have Hannah Bryce, SEO manager at Gymshark. We call ourselves SEO SAS because we like to think of ourselves as your special answering service when it comes to SEO. So each week we'll pick a topic, we'll invite a guest to come on and talk, we'll debate stuff if there's something that's happened in Google or the industry. We just like to talk about it really. So yes, that's us and that's the podcast. We hope you enjoy. This show is brought to you by the team at LikeMind Media. LikeMind Media help clients find their audience and start having conversations with them, whether that's on social media, content, or even podcasts, just like this one. We're actually using their podcasting equipment right now. They're super lovely people who take time to understand your business and think like you. Thanks, Hannah. So you might sort of realise that there's a missing voice on this episode and it does it does feel like I'm cheating whenever I do a podcast without Hannah. But with Christmas and work, some, like just gets in the way. So unfortunately, we don't have Hannah, but you don't, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you with just me because that's just a recipe for disaster, really. The lovely Claire Carlisle has agreed to come on the podcast and talk about all things local SEO and marketing. So Claire runs her own marketing company called Claire Carlisle Marketing. She's a chartered marketer and she calls herself Head of Pencils, which I love because she doesn't believe in titles. Hello, Claire. <laughs> Hello. Hi. I am not too bad, thank you. How about yourself? I'm feeling very well. Thank you for that lovely introduction. I hope I did you proud. <laughs> yeah, it was all good. That's that's me. That's what I do. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact. That obviously, bef- uh, before we recorded this, you told me about being known as head of pencils just because you don't like titles and I couldn't agree more because I think marketing titles get really long winded don't they sometimes and yeah I love that I think it comes from I've never really worked in a in a corporate environment so I never know what to call myself Ah. so uh it's just me I just sharpen the pencils and you know got lots of notes down (laughs) oh fair enough fair enough so are you feeling festive are you ready for Christmas I'm pretty ready getting there yeah. yeah, things to do still. We're going to France for Christmas, so uh, we don't have to do too. I know, la, la, nice. so we don't have to do too much in this country to get ready. Are you going like because skiing is normally like a festive thing to do? Are you doing anything like that, or is it something different that we, you do? We, yeah, we have to, we're not skiing. I, my, I'm very lucky because my sister lives in France, so we're going to go and stay in her house and uh, drink lots of wine and eat lots of cheese, lots of good, lots of cheese. <laughs> Uh, croissants and all the lovely French things. Lovely Ooh. stuff. I'm not jealous at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, would you? I'm going to pass the mic to you, as it were, because we'd love. Yeah, if you could tell our listeners a bit about yourself and how you got into the world of digital marketing and SEO. Oh, well, I started out as a primary school teacher, actually, living and working in London, and I had had enough of that. And I found myself in Wales, in Pembrokeshire, which is where I live now, because I didn't want to live in the city. And I was hankering for fresh air and beautiful places and places to do nice things. So I ended up here and worked with a small adventure company. 
Lovely. And ended up doing lots of lots of things for them, including this is twenty years ago, making the website work. So that is how I got into SEO to start off with is um, actually building them a website, actually getting that website to rank. And that, that's where the whole love affair with SEO started all those years ago in, in the historical days of SEO, I guess. Historical days, or some people would say the good old days, <laughs> wouldn't they? Hyster- hysterical, <laughs> historical, <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> and that's when I realised I like working with um, small and medium-sized businesses and just helping them do better at their marketing. So Aww. that's when I, I decided I wanted to pursue a, a sort of a career in marketing. I did an MSc in marketing. And then uh, 10 years ago, I set myself up as sort of freelance SEO, self-employed marketer working mostly with small businesses to help them do better at digital. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Mm. So at the beginning of this podcast, I said that we invited you on to talk about local SEO and local marketing. So if you were to describe what local SEO is, how would you do that? Mm. Well, so it's the things that we do if we have a physical business with bricks and mortar location or we have a service area business to promote our businesses when we make face-to-face contact with our customers in terms of the organic search. So that's local SEO. And why, in your opinion, should businesses invest in local SEO? I think because if they need local SEO, if they're those types of businesses, then I think that the way that uh, Google is presenting results for people that are in those sort of uh, micro moments, I guess, they're turning their, to their phones because they want to go and they want to buy. Yeah. So they're in that moment then this is the way that we're going to reach those people right in those micro moments. Basically, they're looking for us. They're looking for our products and our services. So local SEO allows us to put us in front of them when they're making those searches. So it's just a really good opportunity, really, isn't it, for local businesses? Before today, before we're recording this podcast now, we did some research, didn't we? So I put together a survey to reach out to those who marketed local business local businesses sorry to find out sort of the day-to-day realities of marketing local businesses and sort of challenges and all that jazz so put a survey together we put it out there to the seo community and we got some respondents so thank you to those who took the time we really appreciate that because obviously we needed that data so thank you very much so the next few sort of questions and things that we're going to talk about is based around that research So to start things off, one of the questions that was on the survey was how regularly do you check Google reviews and reply slash engage? Now, the respondents from those who did, 35% said daily, 35% said weekly, 14% said monthly and 14% said when I remember. So first question to you, Claire, based on that, ideally, how often should you be checking these reviews? I think you need to, in terms of working out what your internal resource is to, to do these jobs, and it depends on the scale of your your business because your process could be different if you're an SMB or if you're like a more of an enterprise business. But ideally, every day if you can, but def- definitely weekly. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Because and what and why is that? Why why are you suggesting as like as regularly as you can? Well, if you think about how you know, we as consumers 
use reviews to help us make an informed choice about choosing one business or one service over another. And we want to make sure that the types of reviews that they're they're reading when they're looking at our product or service are the types of reviews that are going to want them to to get in touch with us and to buy from us. So we need to manage those reviews proactively. Um, especially in the context of you think about negative reviews and positive reviews because people are looking to you to see how you manage reviews whether they be positive or negative yeah and I think when you're when you're looking at reviews if there are a few negatives it makes the the business and like it seems more legit because no one's gonna get not every person's going to be happy with a service or a product are they so it's perfect, perfectly reasonable to expect a few bad reviews. It's yeah. just how you deal with that. So I have, I have this conversation with clients and they're always like, can we delete? Can we delete that bad review? <laughs> and it's hard sometimes to come across to them and say no. So in your opinion, how, how is it best to deal with those bad ones, those negative Nellies? Negative ones. I think, again, it, it does depend on the context and the nature of the negative review. So... Is it just one review? Is it two, three, four, five? Because if it's lots and they're all saying the same thing, um, then we need, we need to use people's feedback as a tool to help us, you know, improve our products and services. Yeah. If, if, especially for a small business, you know, when you get a bad review, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a criticism, you know, uh, small businesses take that as a very uh, a personal criticism of, of them. So um, there's often the uh, temptation to to respond very defensively to that. So one of the things, you know, breathing (laughs) and and not having a knee-jerk reaction to that, don't respond in the moment. Yeah, have a a moment. You need to sleep on it sometimes, don't you? Yeah. Um, And then then depending on the nature of the negative review, you, you know, you need to respond appropriately to that. So obviously a feature on Google My business or if you've got a business profile on google is the post feature mm-hmm. so another question we asked was how often do you do you use that feature and only seven percent said daily 14 percent said monthly 28 percent said weekly 28 percent said never and 21 percent said when i remember now i thought that was quite I don't know. Like, I wasn't expecting that, really. <laughs> so, I mean, why, why would you say that businesses should be using the post feature? And like, what sort of benefit does it have? I think, many, many, again, many fold. It's like grossly underutilized. Yes. Um, but a lot of that is because people don't know about it. Because, you know, Google, you know, especially GMB is notorious for not really communicating with people uh, or, or with uh, businesses ha- how to use parts of its product. So Google posts are this awesome opportunity for businesses to actually manage their message very proactively in the, in the SERP. A lot of people are, are talking about zero-click SERP and Google is your homepage. And this is small businesses, you know, many businesses that are using GMB. This is your opportunity to put your message right in the SERP. So that's why we need to use posts. Apart from, obviously, they appear and they're there. And then, you know, maybe we'll speak more about measurement. But, uh, you know, people need to be giving them a go. And and then they need to have a go, they need to test, and then they need to have a strategy for posts to to treat it 
like they would any other opportunity to, to post content. So they, so they develop a, a content strategy around yeah. posting. What type of content should businesses be posting? Wow. And have you seen any businesses that are nailing it? I'd love to say it depends, obviously, the type of content you should be posting. It's, uh, I think, go out and test, first of all, with the different types of posts and learn more about which types of posts spend more time in the business profile. So you've got offers and events, which are time date stamped, which can get a lot of interaction. But it depends what works for the business, really. But definitely go out, do some testing, see what resonates, see yeah. what earns click through. But, 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 but obviously, uh, a lot of the time, events and offers can work very well. Yes, I suppose it's about finding what's resonating with your audience and what works for one business won't necessarily work for the other. So it's all about testing. Yeah, and testing. I mean, anything that you do in marketing, you should test, shouldn't you really? Yes. And, you know, try try some new stuff, especially in the early stages. If you haven't tried post before, then try some different things and and then see what's really working for you. Experiment. Yeah. <laughs> Another question on this survey was, do you track traffic to the website via Google My Business? And 64% said yes, which is good because that's the higher percentage there. And they said mostly through UTM tracking. One person said that they use a plugin within the data studio, Google Data Studio. And then obviously that leaves 35% that said no. I mean, one of the pe- person people one of the i can't get my words out this is where hannah this is one where hannah the, one of the person one, one thank the you person. i need these, these are the times when i need hannah and i'm just like what am i talking about <laughs> so yeah one person said that they use metrics within google my business so my yeah. question to you claire is in your opinion Ooh. is is utm tracking the best way to track traffic or are there other ways or more reliable ways I use UTM tracking. Hey. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so uh, actually measuring the referrals that you're getting for it. There's lots of different places in GMB where you can actually post a link to your website. So you've got the primary website field, and then depending on your business type, you might have an appointment link, you might yes. have a menu link, and then you've got all of your product links if you've got a product beta and then you've got all of your post links so there's all of these opportunities to actually drive traffic through to your website and mm. then work out which is what you know what what which part of that traffic is converting and what it's doing so you really need to be tagging up consistently and have mm. a, have a again have a a format and a strategy for tagging up all of the links that you can add to your website from we, GMB. We actually, so at Like My Media, we sort of had to have that conversation with, okay, when we're using UTM tracking and tagging that we need mm. like uniform like this is this is how mm. we're tracking it so yes. we recently had that conversation because that's really important isn't it to get that right and yes. make sure everyone's using the same system because then mm-hmm. like yeah because then it'll be shown yeah. right in google analytics and yeah. there's no confusion apart from traffic then what other me- metrics can you measure and should you measure just going back to traffic again <laughs> it's yes. really working out you know what are people what what are those those businesses doing when you get to your to the website so you know we, i have google posts driving e-commerce conversions i have google posts driving newsletter sign up right uh, uh, product information download so it's not just we have this amount of traffic it's what did that traffic do when it when it got to our website and then that comes you know that that goes full circle into what type of google posts 
Yes. are driving the type of traffic that we, we want to get to the website. Because ultimately, traffic... Just just traffic on its own doesn't make sales, does it? You no. have to you have to think of the other side of things. And ultimately, I mean, if you are an SEO person doing this for a client, I think you need to prove more than more than just saying, Oh, look at all this traffic, aren't we amazing? It's going that step further and saying, Well, yes, we sent this traffic and this is what this traffic's done. They've downloaded this sort of e guide or book. Uh, this traffic is sort of generated sales. So it's been a bit more smooth smarter isn't it because at the end of the day mm. if you're just doing traffic yeah the client or yeah it's just not good it's not yeah. it's not good yeah. enough really is it <laughs> sounded... we're saying to them that they need to invest you know internal resource time yeah. money, effort into producing google posts well you know why why should we produce google posts exactly like, because because they result in business critical actions being <laughs> taken on your website it's sort of proving the real roi isn't it really and saying yeah. if you actually do this it like equals this amount of money or what have you but yes cool for sure and having that in mind from the outset is is useful okay moving on then another question that we asked our lovely seo community was how often do you update and delete photos so the answers here were seven percent said weekly which is quite low isn't it 43 percent said monthly 21 percent said when i remember and 29% said never. From that data, people are not really prioritizing that, are they? Or not understanding the importance. So why should you be updating and deleting photos? And what's the benefit of doing that? I mean, a, a lot of profiles that I look at sort of have a very set it and forget it approach to their photos. They, you know, they uploaded yeah. them when they they made the listing four years ago and then no one has done anything since then. And if you think about how, again, how we as consumers use images to help us make purchase decisions, and if you think about how we as marketers use photos to, to, you know, to make people want to buy our goods and services, then we need to extend the same careful curation of these images to GMB, the same as we, did with, we, do, we would with our own website. Because we use photos to help us choose who we're going to give our money to really yeah and it also it again sort of so if if you can actually see visuals and photos it's sort of showing again that yes we are an actual business and there's actual people behind it and stuff yes (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. So pictures of staff and also that sort of um, know before you go mentality. People like to immerse themselves in, in images of, like, if you imagine you're going to stay somewhere and yeah. stay in a, a, a special place, you want to see photos and you want to see people in, in, that, in that environment because it helps us, doesn't it, to place exactly. ourselves. Is in that, that environment I could not agree more like um so we're going away over new year and we always stay we look on Airbnb and yeah. if if there's a place that's only got three photos and it's like a close-up of a kettle it's yeah. a bit like well that doesn't <laughs> really bin. show me bin. yes <laughs> it's like what are bin. you thinking like, I, I get that you've, you're trying to be arty and you've got a really nice kettle or a really cool bin but we want to see the space don't we and I think Oh yeah, and I think that's the same oh, for businesses as well. Like you, like is there mould around the bar? I want to know that. Is that a big one for you? It is. I need to know that. Like you want to know that the it, you know, the bathroom is clean and that someone has straightened the pillows on the bed before they take a photo that they're going to use to market that business. Those are, you know we make these um, 
judgments about businesses based on yeah. their photos. So really take the time to to yeah. get some great photos on your profile. I think we've sort of mentioned it because you said like photos of your staff and stuff like that. But what yes. other photos should you be including? So what if you look in GMB and you go into the photo section, there's, there's sort of these headings along the top. And what you have depends on whether you're a bricks and mortar business or a service area business. But what you need to do is uh, make sure you've got lots of photos lots of good, relevant photos in each of those areas. And I can't remember off the top of my head what they are, but there's, a, you know, there's star, there's exterior, interior. I think there's products as well. But make sure you've got something on all of those tabs, including 360 as well. If you've got the type of business that would benefit from having a 360 tour, then definitely add one of those because I think people use them. Yes, definitely, definitely. And again, it just comes back to utilising everything and utilising all your opportunities, isn't it? Like, don't leave any stone untouched. Or mm-hmm. is, that, is, that the, is that the saying? Or, yeah. I don't leave it, don't leave any stone unturned rather than... Unturned. Untouched. Well, I mean, untouched, I don't, don't untouned. Touch all the stones. Touch all the stones. <laughs> touch them all. <laughs> just touch. All touch everywhere. <laughs> this, this podcast is getting weird already. <laughs> Okay, so yes, so moving on then, another question on this. Deleting, delete, sorry, deleting photos. That was quite interesting that 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 came up as a, rather than upload, also the focus on deleting photos. Why, Why would that be? Just because, so for example, if you've got a business where you've got a high turnover of staff, or mm-hmm. you've got like a, I don't know, you, you've moved offices, you've moved premises, or I don't know, you've updated your offices. I didn't know whether there would be reasons why, why you should be like deleting photos. Yeah, I think so. I think so sometimes. Oh, yeah, because it, it, this made me think, because I do do often talk about doing a, a Marie Kondo on your photos from time to time. <laughs> yes. Which is where, where you, want, you, you want your photos to show what it is that you do now within reason isn't it because otherwise it's really difficult to manage because you imagine you're a restaurant sometimes there's going to be food that you no longer you know dishes you no longer serve but I just you know sometimes there's things like you know set, you know use the example of a outdoor business you used to offer stand-up paddle boarding you no longer offer that you don't want someone looking at you know 30 or 40 photos of that when it's not something that you can deliver to them so yes. um yeah it was it. I thought it was a really interesting point you obviously don't want to spend a lot of time deleting lots of photos from your profile um, because I'm sure that there must be value in a way in, in the historical interaction of some of those photos. Right. Uh, if, we think about, if, if we think about, you know, who knows, you know, this is like, if you think about engagement and how people engage with your photos, a photo with, with lots and lots of views or thumbs up or, or however Google decides that people are actually going to be able to take action on these photos. You yeah. wonder if, you know deleting very popular photos could have some sort of effect but anyway this is me just going off on no, one now but no no no, no but I I, I kind of yeah I do I do see where you're coming from because photos can help tell a story of a business as well can't it so yeah. if yeah. it's like grown or if it's like moved like got many offices like it's grown space wise venue wise staff wise you've grown yeah. because you're offering other products and services and stuff like that yeah. I never thought mm-hmm. of it like that but like because because I love when you go on an about page on someone's website and they've got a timeline and you can see because yeah. I'm a nosy bugger <laughs> and I love to <laughs> I love to like see like the progression of a of a company and how they started and what milestones so I suppose in yeah. a way photos can help with that can't they like telling a story Definitely. and and 
and as marketeers telling a story that's that's gold dust really isn't it yeah so there's but if you had a photo of maybe rooms before you've given them a glorious makeover part of it is like oh my gosh look how it's improved that's amazing but also you wouldn't want someone making a judgment call based on an old photo so it's, a, it's i think it's an interesting conversation about you know that bit curating yeah. your photos in terms of deleting them i'd like to see some research on that really okay i i always love a, a before and an after photo they're always <laughs> But yeah. A makeover. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's move on then. A question that we asked to the community was, what do you love most about local SEO? So I've got some, I've pulled out some quotes that people have said. So I thought it'd be cool just to like go through what people are saying and have a discussion on that. So one person, they didn't leave their name, unfortunately, but they said, how fast it's evolving. I genuinely believe it's the future of search for e-commerce sites with brick and mortar stores. So I really like that. I mean, what what do you think about that comment? How fast it, well, it's never boring, is it, local SEO? You know, we talk about changes in, uh, in you know, the SEO landscape, but it, there's always something new, especially with GMB. Future of search for e-commerce sites with Brixham. Well, if you, again, we come back to that micro moments mentality people turning to their phones as soon as they want to you know they have an intent to do buy go etc and people increasingly starting their their purchase journey inside maps rather than right yeah because people have different journeys don't they customer journey isn't the same for everyone so you've got to think about that and the maps app is just how, how we search now if we know that we're looking for a product or service with that sort of local intent how often would you start in maps rather than in google because you're looking for somewhere to eat somewhere to go to the cinema a park to walk in um and that data is provided by our google well, a lot of it is provided by our gmb listing so it's a different way to, to think of how people start their journeys in search and i suppose as well like gmb is like a platform it's always evolving with its features isn't it so features and stuff you can do now weren't around like a couple of years ago so there's always that so always would it be worth sort of like testing out the new features when they come out or wait to see what other people are doing I don't know no because I work with a lot of small businesses we can be quite agile we don't need to have a huge amount of sign off on you know can we start using a product beta can we start using google posts so there's no red tape we just get it done and obviously there is this, you know, Google graveyard, you know, spending hours and hours and hours uh, investing in a strategy might not be a great idea if they retire that feature in six months time. But if you can just dip your toe in the water and test things as they come out, then, um, but also with a view to thinking, mm, where is Google going to take this? Because if I try this out now, is this going to tie me into something that is going to hurt me further down the line? I think that's the thing to think about when Google uh, create new features. How does this benefit Google or how will this tie me into something that then will reduce my options so it's about, uh, in terms of... So it's not... So don't, like, don't be too reactive. Have a think about it. Like, don't yeah, be a magpie a and see something yeah. shiny. <laughs> yeah, you can have a little think about it. See what other, in, you know, what are, the, what are your, you know, I hate to say the word thought leaders, but there are lots of thought <laughs> leaders in the industry. What are people saying about it? Yes. And then, and then have, have a little test. But also think about, hmm, will tying myself into this at this point mean that in, in the future I'm going to end up with a load of ads in my business? 
uh, profile, for example. So that, that thing that I'm seeing increasingly is um, ads in verticals that they didn't exist in before uh, starting to creep into people's, you know, branded business profiles. So yeah, awesome. I always got to, got, you know, you ha- have your little future, your little crystal ball out at the same time as you can. Amy said that the thing that she loves most about local SEO is that results appear above the fold on page one. So obviously that's the macro, macro, moments that you were saying and obviously making the most of where you can be seen and if you can be above the fold in there in people's faces then people are more likely to click you aren't they mm-hmm. yeah so if you've got map pack so google is seeing your searches having local intent and, and popping a, a map pack in the SERP then that pretty much appears right at the top underneath the ad so yeah. yes it's, it's, it's your chance to appear you know stealing like, like she said you know, a little bit more right in front of people. Steal, stealing some traffic there, isn't it? Or making the most of that. Yeah. Kieran said that he finds that in most cases, growth can happen much faster than national SEO strategies. Would you agree with him? I do not know about that. Okay. So, mm. well, I, I suppose with if you compare national to local maybe local's less competitive would you say or not necessarily well, lo- not 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 yeah not really because local could be and local just means uh, that you make in-person contact so that, that could be like a huge brand to a sort of you know tiny business so um yeah, yeah I, I think it depends i think you know it, it depends it depends it depends on the context as to I, you know i wouldn't i don't know about that so we need kieran you need to give us more context <laughs> kieran tell us a story tell we, us we, a story we, we, we understand through story you yeah. have to you have to tell us more well, we want the story through photos though don't we that's how we want the i want it i want it through interpretive dance personally. oh well yeah getting a bit demanding there claire <laughs> <laughs> oh come on kieran <laughs> he'd be keen i'm sure <laughs> Okay, so what do you love most about local SEO? Oh, or is that too um, much? It's, so, it's just rele- it's so relevant for my clients. For the type of businesses that I work with, it's just letting them get in the right place at the right time in front of the people that they need to get in front of. And that's why I like it. And it, no, it's, big, it's just perfect for the, like I said, the, the businesses that I market. I like the local SEO community. Yes. Um, that, sounds really, that sounds really cheesy. But yeah, I like the people that I get to interact with, you know, on Twitter, talking to people about local SEO. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's nice. But yes, local SEO is very powerful if you have the type of business that needs local SEO. Yeah. And there's a good community around it to support as well. So if there's ever a question or you need to find something out, then there's reach out to your community. Friendly. But yeah. I do find that across SEO. Like whenever I've like asked a question or um like with this research, people love to help out, don't they? Or love to discuss. Especially because like SEO people stereotypically a bit nerdy. We love to like find and talk, don't we? So it is quite unique. I, I found myself somewhat uh talking to someone the other day about my community, somebody that works in a different sector. And they're like, what do you mean your community? And I'm like, you know, the SEO community. <laughs> they're like, but who are you talking about? I said, you know, it's my people. My, my people. My tribe. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, you learn so much. That's how you learn. 
concern, isn't it? From, it is. From, from your people. And like conversations like this, this is why I love doing the podcast, especially when we invite people like yourself, because just conversations, you learn so much. And yeah, it's just, it's just great. Big but love up. People will be needing to reach for a sick bucket, won't they, at this moment in time? Oh, no, they'll just want to just join the community. Join us. <laughs> join the community. We have badges. No, we don't have badges. We could have badges. We but. should have badges. Right, so I'm getting I'm getting all lost. Where am I on my notes? Right, yes. So obviously we asked people what they loved about local SEO. So we had to ask what they find the most frustrating. And I think we're both going to resonate with what people have said. So Lucy, thank you, Lucy. Uh, and thank you to Kieran and Amy and the anonymous, 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 anonymous person as well for like giving us things to feedback on the podcast. But yes, Lucy said that she finds dealing with fake reviews quite frustrating. And we hear you, Lucy. Have you got any tips here, Claire, about dealing with that? I think that what's she talking about? She's talking about fake reviews. Okay. So, yeah, so not uh, negative, Google but like yeah, fake ones. Re- yeah. So ones that you believe, you know, are not bona, bona, is it bona, bona feeder, bona fider, bona, anyway, real reviews. You're asking so, the wrong person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a team. What a team. <laughs> So Google has guidelines of, you know, reviews, photos, basically content. So you need to refer back to Google's uh, terms of service and guidelines for review. So you can work out why you think that the one that you believe is fake is contravening their terms of service. So when, when you find that, you need to work out what your proof is. So you need to do your due diligence. You can't just flag, you know, I don't like this review. I don't think this person really came to yeah uh, my venue because how how are you going to prove that so one of the thing is some reviews you just need to suck up basically even if they could potentially be fake because it's very difficult to prove depending on the uh, why you think it's fake that it is fake you know concentrate more on getting a really good review and feedback loop in place getting more reviews getting good reviews but if it really is fake then you can flag that and you need to well, what I always do is make sure I've got a a sort of a G-Doc trail of evidence. So I'm screenshotting stuff or I'm writing my notes on why I believe it's fake. Because then if I need to then follow that up with GMB support, then um, I've already got that evidence to hand and I can just share that document with them. But there's also, so you can flag it. And then if nothing happens, you can chase that up with GMB support. But there's also the GMB forum that you can post things on and get help. But I think the biggest thing is make sure you've got your evidence because it isn't anybody else's job apart from yours to collect that evidence. And if you're expecting the product expert or someone else to do your work for you, it's not fair for them because they're all volunteering their time for free. Good. Some good tips there. What else do we have? Okay, we have Amy. She said that... Google often implements changes or adds new tools without first user testing them. They're flawed and affect businesses, but Google continues to prefer consumers to use a test in real time. Now, she does make a good point here, but I don't know how else Google would test. Well, that's, you know, that's such a good point. I love what Amy has said there. And I think we've all suffered from, you know, the dumpster fire that is GMB in 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 many ways. The, the changes will happen that won't be announced. One thing will break, and yeah. you'll be like going out into the forums, and you'll be going out to Twitter to say, you know, is anyone else seeing this? Uh, you know, suddenly I don't have product posts available to me anymore. Uh, how do I edit my existing posts? 
how am I, you know, it, 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 things are changed and introduced without any fanfare. And it, it seems easy from the outside to look in and say, but this doesn't make sense. Why would this be changed in that way? Yeah. So it, it doesn't appear that there is any sort of testing loop, but then GMB is a free product. And that, that always comes up when we have chats about all the things that are wrong with GMB is that, you it's know, free. essentially, if it was monetized at some point, could we expect a better service? If you are paying for something, you do expect, I don't know, that you, you don't want to be guinea pigs if you're, a, you're paying, do you? I suppose if it is a free product, Google is sort of in its rights to use you as guinea pigs, I suppose, aren't they? But, but yeah, it's an interesting point about if they will monetize it one day. I don't know. Yeah, or, or, or yeah. Whoever's putting together and making changes in in the platform, having 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 someone that actually uses the platform day to day. That's yeah. why we have the product experts. But you do wonder how much they're um, experts. <laughs> well, they're definitely experts. Oh. But you wonder how much they're consulted in terms of uh, how much actual input they can have into the right. UI in, in GMB. Right. So, Yes. yes. If, it, if it was a bigger product that made more money for Google, then I'm sure they would invest more money into it. Duncan, so this is the last one. And then we've got two more questions. And then it's my favorite part of the podcast, the feature. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. So Duncan said that he finds that non-local businesses can work the system to make searches think they are local rather on the frustrating side. What do you think to that one? Um, so if you've got I, I guess uh, we'd be love to hear more about that, Duncan, but I'm thinking that it's people faking addresses that don't really have bricks and mortar locations. That's probably yeah. the main thing, I guess. But yeah, it's, it's a big issue. I think that when you sort of put your, your, your ear to the grapevine, where are these things coming from? When you uh, listen, there's a lot of spammy stuff in, in the US. I don't know how family the UK is in, in comparison not as I don't think but yeah there, there's a lot of that so you need to be aware of that and then again seek your proof and then submit submit to your proof to GMB or via the forum but yeah that they no one's in charge full time of spam fighting it seems which is frustrating <laughs> because <laughs> yeah especially if you're up against I mean on a small scale you can you can back can I say bash the spam but you can you can bash some of that spam on an individual level. It's actually a strategy in terms of rising through the rank in in the map listings. You know, if the if the two that are above you are both spammy listings and you can get those wiped up, then you know, ka-ching, your business mm. is up there. So on a personal level, you could you can fight spam. But if it is like a bigger spam network, then if you can collect that evidence and then report that to the uh, appropriate people. I mean, there are product experts like, so we've got Jason Brown, who, who sort of specializes in review spam. And then there's other product experts that know a lot about, you know, the spam networks. Then if you can get in touch with them, then maybe they can help you. Ah, okay. If you've, co- if you've collected all of your evidence first. <laughs> yes, that seems to be the running theme. Evidence and proof. Yeah. Do you uh, like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You've got to do that, you know, do do that first because no one's going to listen to you if, if you haven't if you haven't collected that. Question that I would like to ask you now is because we ask everyone that comes on. <laughs> what is you can only pick one. So, oh. <laughs> sorry. Uh what is your favorite SEO tool at the moment? <sighs> oh, can't, I can't have two. 
right, right. Do... I'll let you have two. Oh. You're just too kind just to me. because when we met at Brighton SEO, you did bring me Welsh cakes. So, ah, um, <laughs> did you and did you like them? Yes, and uh, got me some good points with the boss as well because he liked them as well. You shared so, them. Thank You're very you. Kind. Ah, see, my mother has always taught me to share, and I've, I've had a si- I've got a sister as well. So you know. Well, you're so nice. I'm going to bring you at least two packets next time I meet you. At least uh, tools, mobile Moxie. If anyone used that before. Okay, what what is Mobile Moxie? If you... Mobile Moxie, God, what, what's the elevator pitch for it? Uh, I just I use it for making searches on a mobile on my desktop, so I can search from a range of different locations, so I can see what that SERP looks like, so I can see what the SERP looks like, who's ranking, down to I think you can like uh, do it by latitude, longitude, you can do it by postcode, but I use that a lot for looking at what the search would look like in different places. Cool. So that's my first one. Yes. And then not so much a tool, but more a resource. So it's like a must-read resource. If, you, if you're doing local SEO, it's the, the Expert Guide to Local SEO, which is a, an online book, I guess, uh, which is updated monthly, which is uh, written by Joy Hawkins of Sterling Sky. So it's a, it's a paid-for resource, but... Um, it, you know, if you're into local SEO, it will, it will change your life. Lovely. So, so those are your two recommendations. They are. Lovely. Thank you. Now, is there a question that you'd like to ask myself? A question for if you? If it's the meaning of life, I don't have that answer, unfortunately. The, 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 yeah. Uh, how, how do we create a fairer and more just world? We don't. We just become hermits and live under a rock and just pretend like, you know, bury our heads in the sand. That's what I would suggest. Okay. That's my, that's always my question, really. Yeah. Is that your one question? It is a world peace and an end to all suffering is normally my, (laughs) well, how do we create the context for that? Um, Give everyone Welsh cakes. Sorry? Give everyone you meet Welsh cakes. That surely would, like, create peace. I think if everyone had a basket of Welsh cakes wherever they went, which they shared, I think if everyone was just nicer to each other as well, that's another thing. (laughs) Oh, this uh, that question never normally gets that deep, Claire. So uh, I think (laughs) this podcast has just reached a whole other level. I'd just like to say, it's not a question for you, it's a thank you to you, to both of you for creating the podcast. Because it's a a lovely resource for, you know, digital marketers, SEOs, anyone that wants to learn more. And I think a good quality podcast that we can listen to and upskill ourselves, but with nice people, then I think that that is a truly great resource. So thank you for making it. You get, you're making me blush now. You're gonna, that's really it's nice. People don't say thank you. People don't say well done enough to people. Oh. And they don't say, and I just want to say thank you to you. Well, thank you very much. And to be fair, you're doing awesome stuff. Like you're always posting on Twitter about things that you're trialing and testing. You're getting involved, aren't you? Like you're speaking here, there and everywhere. Like you were in Dublin the other week. And you're like, yeah, you just seem the go-to person. Or if someone asks you a question, you'll find it for them or for find them an answer sort of thing so you're doing good I definitely have a go (laughs) are you ready for the future ready for the future always did I say future you just said am I ready for the future sorry I was meant to Um, say future (laughs) 
I'm ready for the future and the feature. Oh my gosh. This is see, this is why we need Hannah. Hannah reigns this podcast <laughs> Hannah, in. Hannah, Hannah, we need you. We it's do. all gone terribly wrong. It's all gone Pete Dong, as the saying <laughs> goes. Right. So this week, the feature is, so I've got dishes or cuisines that are famously famously from places of the UK, yeah? So mm-hmm. you need, so I'm going to say what the, so it can either be a savoury or sweet dish. I'm going to say what, what it is and you have to tell me what part of the country it's from. <laughs> God, my geography so bad. But it's food related. Okay. But okay. I have to know the names of places. This is my issue. Map <laughs> I'm, of the UK. Google's map of the UK. Okay. I mean, you yeah, can have that up. Have you got it up in the background? Got I've got the map of the UK. Okay. Yeah, got it. The first cuisine is black peas. Now, this is a savoury dish, which are purple podded peas soaked overnight and simmered until mushy. Sounds vile, but hey-ho, where are you saying that's from? Black peas. Mm, Sheffield. I'm so sorry, Claire. That is not the answer I was looking for. <laughs> that's a surprise. Lancashire. Oh. So, yes, that's where my grandma was from. Good ah, old. And did she eat those? She, well, I never saw her eating black peas, no. No. <laughs> she might have done. Who knows? Right. So, st- sticking on the peas... Um, I mean, we do have some uh, American listeners, so they're going to be like, what is the UK? I mean, these dishes. Yeah, I need to come over because that sounds delicious. (laughs) S-E-R-S-A-S, podcast helping with tourism as well. (laughs) Peas pudding. So peas pudding, again, is a savoury dish. Split peas or lentils cooked until soft and thick. Where's that from? It'll be up north somewhere, won't it? Leeds. Well... My note says the northeast. Is Leeds in the northeast? I don't know. I'm just so making it up. Don't know. Is it in the northeast? Let's just say it's from the northeast. Okay, I'll give you a point. Well done. Hooray! Clapping for you. Pork pie. Where's the pork pie from? Oh. This is. Uh, do you want a clue? Go on then. So I'm based in Leicestershire. Yeah. And it, it, I'm near to where pork pies originate from. Gosh, what's near Leicester? Mm. It's alliteration. Uh, a what? Alliteration. So the place is two, two words and it's alliteration. I, I don't know. You tell me this one. Melton Mowbray. Oh, obviously. Melton Mowbray. I should have known that. You should have. It, it's, that's a known thing, isn't it? It is. The Melton Mowbray pork pie. Just down I the road from me. Pies. I know, they're awful. Like, more, it's a jelly. Avoid uh, that. Yeah, jelly and the weird pork. Look it. Yeah, hey-ho. Um, yeah, just eat the pastry. Potted shrimps. Oh, well, that will be a coastal place. <laughs> I hope. Uh, potted shrimp somewhere down south. Can I give you like, a clue? Yes, please, clues, yes. I've already, like, this is another, like, I've already said the place in the original one. And the previous one. So I've already said. So it's either Lancashire, North East, or Melton Mowbray. <laughs> they're definitely from Melton Mowbray. They're not. They're from Lancashire. <laughs> oh, yes. A very traditional Lancashire dish. Yes. Delicious. Some of my favourites when I'm on holiday there. Right. 
Got three more dishes. Star oh Stargazy pie. Now, a stargazy pie is fish pie with sardines poking out of the pie crust looking at the stars, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. Where is that from? I wish it was from Mousel in Cornwall because that yes. would be a perfect story. It's from Cornwall. Yeah, it sounded very Cornish. Well done. Well done. We're doing all right. I mean, you've got more wrong than right, but that's fine. I know. There's two more. You can ring it, win it back. Um, Eccles. Okay. Eccles cakes. So for those not familiar with an Eccles cake, this is a flake, flaky pastry with butter and currants. My dad used to tell me that the currants were dead flies when I was younger. So, you know. Well, it's like... Probably the, is 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 the clue in the name. Is there a place called Eccles? Well, I'm not sure. I don't have that on my notes. I'm not very good, am I? <laughs> not a very should good we, quiz master. Should we should we should we do a Google? That's you a can't word. Google. That's cheating. Of course you can. No, I'm not cheating because I'd already made my decision. Oh right. Eccles. So you're saying that Eccles is Eccles cakes. Eccles. Right. Eccles cakes from Eccles. And is Eccles in Greater Manchester? It is. Yay. Okay. Right. Right. This is the deciding one. Right. Oh, gosh. So if you get this, you've won. If you don't, you've lost. Win a prize. What is it? What? What's the prize? Yeah. There is no prize. It's a forfeit. Come on. Is it a pork pie? It's a pork pie. Sending it away to you. You have to eat one. Whole one (laughs) in 30 seconds. No. Right. Where are you saying Eaton Mess is from? So obviously Eaton Mess is the strawberries, meringue and cream, isn't it? Yeah. Is it from Eaton? From the school, <laughs> Eaton? You're just, well, I don't know. Is Eaton in Berkshire? Yeah, because it's Eaton, isn't it? It's a, it's a posh school. And in Berkshire. They have, and they have a dessert that isn't posh that looks like vomit in a glass. <laughs> so uh, that is Eaton Mess. Lovely. Well, you've won. Thank you. Hooray! So you got four, four out of seven. Is that right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yes, four out of seven, which is you've won. So that's good. That's um, not bad. I got. I was going to say I got a D in geography, uh, GCSE. <laughs> so I'm pretty pleased with that. Well done. Now I have got a forfeit. I mean, I know that you technically won. But, I mean, you might want to join in with the forfeit anyway. So my forfeit was that you have to own up to something weird that you like to eat as a guilty pleasure. So, like a weird concoction. Weird as a guilty pleasure. I mean, technically speaking, I should be doing the forfeit because you You won. I think you should do it. I'm trying to think if I like any weird foods or like weird... I don't think anything's weird. It's not weird if you like it, is it? Well, if you like ex- it, is it weird? For example, one of my, I knew someone who, as an adult, liked to eat baby f- baby food and um, Jaffa cakes. That is a bit weird, though. Or there was another person who would make their own salt and vinegar crisps. So they'd have, like, <laughs> a bag of salted crisps <laughs> and, like, chuck a load of vinegar in. And obviously they, that went all soggy. I, uh, I don't think, like, people that... You know, I do go down these, like, is it weird to make your own nut milk? Is it weird to make your own water kefir? Because people might think that was weird. Well, I just think that's resourceful of you. Yeah, there we are then. I don't, if, you, if, it, if, it, if, it, if it's not bad for you and you like it, I don't think it's weird. I mean, I always find it weird how people put grapes in salad sometimes. Or oh, what, like- what, 
What is that like pineapple on a pizza doing? It's all about the texture, isn't it? Oh, well, uh, mine's okay. I'll own up to something that I don't like that I always get like people don't understand it. Um, I don't like cheese. That's I just I mean, I respect you for that, but at the same time, I've got so many questions because cheese that will have to be on another podcast, Claire. We're running out of time. (laughs) (laughs) Right, that is the end of the podcast. Didn't that fly by? That's a shame. What fun. What japes. <laughs> you sound a little bit sarcastic then. No. I just, we could, I could do it all day now. Oh, well, you, you could always come back on when uh, we've done some oh. more research. We can get you back on. When, uh, when, when you've basically, yeah, if you, yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. love to do it. I, I really enjoyed it. It was nice talking to you. Well, it was a pleasure having you on and sharing your expertise knowledge on local. You really do know your stuff. So, Claire, where, if people want to get in touch with you, want to find out stuff or resources, that sort of stuff, where, where, where do they go? Where, where do they go? Well, I'm on Twitter quite a lot. So, at Claire Carlisle. So my name is like got all the letters in it. So C L A I R E C A R L I L E. So at Claire Carlisle. And then my website, ClaireCarlisleMarketing.com, has got um, what well, I dare I say some useful resources on there, including how to UTM tag up your GMB links, which could be useful for some people. And I've got a big resource which is all of the local SEO people to follow and blogs to read and podcasts and that's all that all lives on the website as well so hopefully that might be useful for some people awesome thank you very much if you want to get involved in uh, involved if you want to get in touch with (laughs) SEO SAS we are also on Twitter SEO underscore SAS I'm personally on Twitter as Sarah McDuck me and Hannah are both on LinkedIn in what oh we've got an email address as well which is hello at seosaspodcast.com so if you've got a question want to come on the podcast let us know and also a cheeky ask is would you mind giving if you like this podcast would you mind giving us a five star well it doesn't have to be five star i mean five star would be i mean this is where i go blabbing claire i can't help help myself yeah just leave a brilliant review because it's a brilliant podcast oh thank you i've had a hoot claire have you had a hoot Hoot, hoot. <laughs> and this is where we say goodbye bye, bye.